Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Hey, loyal listeners. I'll be hosting this episode myself. I've been involved in software development for more than 25 years. I've started companies, led companies, and worked for companies, doing many different things. I'm honored to be considered a leader in Alberta's innovation ecosystem, and I give back as much and as often as I can. When I'm not working or podcasting, you'll find me pursuing my passions of photography, crypto investing, and woodworking, along with the occasional round of golf. Join my guest, Rana Hyatt, and I as we talk about her innovative approach to solve a problem that has bothered the beauty industry for a very long time. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast for Rainforest Alberta. Today, my special guest is Rana Hyatt. Hi, Rana. Thanks for joining me today. Hi. How's it going? Good, good, good. So great to have you here. I'm excited to learn uh, a little bit more about what you do and your claim to fame and you have on your zoom you have the beauty of clean technology so exciting to hear about that stuff so why don't we start with learning a little bit about who's rana and how we got to where we are today yeah so my name is rana hyatt and i am a professional hair and makeup artist i grew up in the industry my parents have owned hair salons since gosh since i was born so in the hair industry and also with my science background, I wanted to kind of marry the two together. And I noticed that there was a huge lacking in the market in terms of proper sanitation. And I think COVID really highlighted the dirty side of makeup and uh, how we can kind of have better practices of prevention in terms of things like herpes or cold sores and pink eye and possibly even transmitting bad behaviors that result in acne. So that's what I'm all about. You're an innovator in a space that is not super innovative other than making new makeup and stuff like that, that, you know, the big companies are always trying to do. I guess you're in the catalyzer, are you not? Yeah. So I'm with the, I started originally with the Central Alberta Regional Innovation Network. That was a connection I made through Red Deer Polytechnic with uh, Tanya Wolf, that is one of the lead engineers there. So she sent me there. I got in touch with Kathy and I went through the program and then I was referred to the Platform Calgary Catalyzer, just finished the last one and we just now started the new cohort. So we're learning really, really fast and uh, really happy with where Solus is right now. That's cool. So what stage are you at with Solus? Gosh, so we are in manufacturing and production. So we have started our pre-sales. When it comes to hardware, I would like to say it's very expensive (laughs) to deal with manufacturing physical products. So we're working with a company in Airdrie, so we're keeping everything in Alberta. So I'm really happy to say that very Alberta proud in terms of our company and our direction. And how's the program? Is it an accelerator program or is it more of a small business educational program? I would definitely say that it's an accelerator program. And without the Platform Calgary and uh, Alberta Catalyzer program, I don't think we'd be where we are in in terms of being in a manufacturing stage and having the access and the right people to speak to when it comes to grants and partners. 
and possible like pitch competitions, things like that. It would have probably taken me like five to 10 years, if not more, (laughs) if I hadn't been part of the cohort. Yeah. Wow. That's speaking very, very highly of that program. And I've heard so many people talk about how great it is. So that's really cool to hear firsthand. So can we talk about your company a little bit? So you sort of talked about the idea behind your company, where it came from. So maybe you could talk a little bit more about how it actually works and maybe without giving out trade secrets or anything. (laughs) I won't give away trade secrets. So traditionally, makeup brush sanitizers, which we've done through our customer discovery. And, you know, I've I've had this personal problem for myself professionally is that it takes forever to clean them. It takes 24 hours downtime for those brushes to actually be fully sanitized. So when you're doing a, let's say, for example, a bridal party, you have, you know, 10 you know, to 12 guests that you're servicing and doing makeup for, but those brushes are not allowed to be touched. One brush per person essentially is the concept. So you're coming home after a long day of work and having to spend, you know, a couple more hours having to clean those brushes, sanitize them, but those brushes aren't ready for the following day. So you have to have your second batch of brushes. So traditionally, the way that make a brush cleaners, it's just not efficient. It's not killing all the types of viral and fungal things that we're starting to see more of on makeup brushes. So we wanted to make sure that with the push of a button, you could actually just insert your brushes with our IP technology and it would kill everything. And without harming the actual bristles, that was another big thing is like there are sanitation and traditional ways, but they're really strong for a makeup brush. So how do we, how do we kind of bring the two together? So it's, it's gentle on the bristles, but also super effective. Professional makeup brushes are not cheap, right? Like they're not like paint by numbers set brushes, right? (laughs) Yeah, they're definitely not your dollar store brushes, (laughs) but they're, they're very, very expensive. And you want to maintain those high quality brushes just the same way that you want to maintain the actual cosmetic, the actual makeup, the, you know, the costs of those foundations and applications. So you can buy beautiful makeup, but also have like great brushes and applicators to use them with. Oh, that's great. Are you planning to have this product available uh, mainly for professionals or will it be something people can buy as a home user as well? Yeah, that's a great question. We definitely have a version, not as big, I think, I think for the everyday user or makeup enthusiast, I like to call them, is they'll have a smaller version. So it can just easily be tucked away in their bathroom and they can just store their makeup brushes in there. And then that's uh, it's a nice uh, little disguise in that sense. It doesn't take up a lot of space. So we will have a smaller version, just as effective, just as beautiful. But obviously a lady at her house is not going to have hundreds of brushes to clean, right? It's probably like three or four or something like that. Yeah. Typically you want to make sure like just the same way that you would clean your coffee cup every time you use it, you know, we want to be able to clean your makeup brushes because that is going directly onto your face. So yeah, you want to... With, a, with just a push of a button, you don't want to have to deal with them, soap it up, try all the, you know, the other conventional things, spray with a bit of alcohol or whatever. Those aren't um, as effective. So with Solace, we just want you to just not worry about it. Because the biggest thing that we found was in our surveys was that everybody, once you do your makeup, this is a very common thing, is once you do your makeup, you're like, you're looking at the brushes, you're like, oh, I need to clean these. And then you put your makeup on and then you put your brushes away and your makeup away. And then you cut, the next day when you come back to put on your makeup, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot. I need to clean these. 
and then the cycle just repeats. It's just this awful cycle. And obviously, as a professional makeup artist, it, you don't have the luxury of using the makeup brushes over and over again for multiple people. And so, you know, I'm, I'm also a photographer, so I've worked with a lot of makeup artists. And I know there's things like little, little white sponges and stuff that you can buy in bulk and stuff. And so you can kind of sneak away a little bit by using disposable stuff. But really to apply makeup properly, you got to have the right tools and, and these expensive brushes, as you're referring to them, you know, imagine a bridal party with 10 people, and then you have to have two sets of, of brushes and never have to use the same brush on the same person two days in a row. Holy moly, that could get really, really pricey. I, I'm guessing your product has a, <laughs> has a, a pretty open market with a lot of people that would be very interested in. So tell me a bit about your customer discovery experience. What's that been like? It's actually been really cool. Um, I want to actually touch a little bit on what you said in terms of the disposable single use applicators. That was also a discovery of how much, how many purchases throughout the year that people buy those things. And typically they buy them from, let's say, Amazon. There are hundreds and thousands of dollars spent on single-use disposables. What does that look like for you sustainably? It doesn't bout very well. And if you want to live, begin with clean products, why don't we begin with clean tools and cleaner ways of actually practicing in this industry? That was a really big thing for me. We found that there was a market in dentistry, which is quite interesting that that kept being a repetitive conversation. The other discovery we found was there were just, you know, makeup enthusiasts, but they're corporate professionals that just want, you know, the best. Essentially, I like to term it like the, this Solus is the Dyson of makeup. You know, it's that high quality, great technology product, and you just, there's so much value to it. So that's, uh, that's where our customer discovery is. And that really resonated with our interviews and conversations that we were having with vast groups of people. So I think that's our direction. Nice. And you spoke a little bit about a smaller version for the makeup enthusiasts, but if you were a professional makeup artist, is that going to be like a much larger thing? Is that something you would carry around with you in, in your going out and doing your customers and stuff? Yeah. When you're freelancing, you want to make sure that it will technically Solus will be the makeup holder of your brushes and then you just pop that lid on and it, it uh, disperses of any of the germs and pathogens ready to use so it's going to be a kind of a it, it works both ways it works really beautifully in terms of it'll just store your brushes as you're working and once those brushes once you're done with that uh, guest you can move on to the next one set up your entire station reset your station again and then in that time you press the button and you're ready to go for the next client Mm -hmm. And it is, yeah, it's intended to be very portable and just, it's meant to travel with you. That's genius. Thanks. <laughs> so what's, what's one of your biggest learnings going through this, this catalyzer program and the accelerator and that? One of the biggest learnings I've noticed is that because of, I didn't realize how vast the startup community was, that I really struggled to ask for what I needed. Let's say you know, legal in terms of our shareholder agreements or, or things like that, you know, the, the, the business side that you understand it, but you just don't know the logistics of what it entails and learning to ask and, and then just getting uh, great feedback and great connections through platform was the biggest challenge. The other one was realizing how expensive hardware is. <laughs> 
when you're building all the little pieces and wiring and, 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 and doing it yourself, it, you know, it starts to add up. And then you look at the actual, the financing of a full blown production line. It, uh, gets a little hairy and you start wondering if this is the right way. There's so much money and time sunk into sort of like the R and D and, and the proving the theory and then modifying it to the point where you actually get to production and then the people that are producing it, I suspect they're not going to make like a, a row of 10. Like they probably want to make a lot in order to make it the tooling of their systems and all or their machinery and whatever. That's, that's a pretty big cash outlay. So you're just getting into that right now, right? That's, you're just at the beginning of that. Yeah, we're just getting into it. We are finding solutions. We are, I am bootstrapping it myself. So we're hoping that in the time that we get sort of the grants and we're not kind of stalling to wait for them, we're moving along this path. You know, there's also the bank of mom and dad, which is somewhat might be an option. (laughs) (laughs) I hate to say it. I hope they're not listening. That's their friends and family round, right? (laughs) Yes, friends and family round. (laughs) Actually, I think they usually call it friends, family, and fools. <laughs> that's that's the tough the tough side of it. You know, a lot of companies are doing the software play, and the software play can be you know it can be expensive in the end. But if one of the founders is a software developer or whatever, it can make a big difference in in getting the MVP out there. But when you're building a hardware product, then the world becomes a totally different place to exist and and now all of a sudden the money is is upfront like everything is really upfront and you know once you have a a garage or a warehouse full of boxes of products that are ready to sell then it becomes a totally different world now you're now you're trying to you know unload all these products and make sure that people are happy with them and then you have to deal with you know returns and 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 defective products and things and so yeah, you got your work cut out for you. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, you know, return processes and flow charts and Gantt charts and learning all about the madness that it takes to actually put a company. And so what you're seeing, typically what people see is, you know, the beautiful side of, of your company and, and you're just like, okay, but the inner workings are just like, we have to organize this a bit better because everything, every, I feel like I'm everywhere and nowhere. It, that's, you know, all the things that it, it entails. We're hoping that by the time we get to, we have pre-sales, so we're excited about those. And we're excited about our early adopters. We're very happy. So that is our, our mission and our goal is to provide a product with full purpose. And, and yes, I didn't realize that there's things like product engineers that do the stress tests on such things. Because I'm like, I was ambitious and be like, we're going to be ready in six months. And they're like, you're not going to be ready at all. <laughs> Well, I imagine with, with a physical product like that, that's likely electric. I imagine there's certifications and things that you have for radio interference and all that other kind of thing that you have to deal with too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's uh, some, there's things called um, like, you know, health requirements and checkpoints that we need to meet. Yeah, you got to love this country because uh, there's uh, all the regulators. Yeah, I mean, it, in the end, it's probably a good thing and for, for people, but it is it is a pain in the butt in, in some cases. Yeah, once you get it right, you're good to go. But in the meantime, it just takes like forever. Absolutely. You said something that kind of triggered a thought in my head, and I want to ask you about this. Have you considered or did you ever look at doing something like a crowdsourcing, like a Kickstarter or something? Or were you kind of cautioned against that by platform or... Maybe you could speak to that a little bit. No, actually, I don't think they've ever, a platform has ever deterred uh, crowdfunding. 
one suggestion that they actually advised was to build up my social media. I mean, when you think about crowdfunding, you think like, you know, the crowd will just come if you build it. But no, you have to kind of build that crowd first, which was a very wise piece of advice. So understanding, you know, what that was about. So we're hoping to do that, but we haven't built our uh, our um, crowd yet. No, and you're you're absolutely right about that. Uh, you, you can't just throw something up on Kickstarter and expect people to come. But it, you know, there's there are lots of companies that have been extremely successful. I think of one called Peak Design that builds camera mounts and bags and things like that, and they've basically built their entire company based off of Kickstarter and they just keep going back to Kickstarter with the new products that they want to build. And they often receive, you know, exponential amounts of money that more than they were originally asking for. So I don't know if it's a, if it's a viable option for something like that, but every time I think of like a physical product that somebody's trying to build, the one thing that those platforms do, and I don't know a ton about them is they, they give you the money before you have to have the product ready. So you have that opportunity to build it. But yeah, the the traditional, I know we have in the rainforest, we have Gary Gunthorpe, who I'm not sure if you've met him yet, but he is he was the founder of, of a company called um, Delta T Enterprises. So Gary Gunthorpe is uh, kind of semi-retired. <laughs> he, he can't seem to pull himself out of helping with startups and, but he's, product base. So his company, Delta T, their claim to fame is they build actual physical products, not software. And he's really great to consult if you need any more information in that world. But uh, yeah, that product world is is a different world that you have to be cautious of. And so I guess assuming that everything goes as planned and you're you're um, maybe not six months away, but you're you're somewhere a lot farther along than you would have been if you didn't join the the platform program. What sort of do you see on your roadmap going forward? What is it kind of looking like now that you have a lot more information and you've gone through a lot of preparations already? Well, we hope to sell throughout internationally. We also hope to grow our manufacturing in Alberta keep it here, be Canadian, truly Canadian as much as we can. Our other objective is to patent and continue our lab testing and really get access to, you know, a full-time lab and just be able to test some of the bacteria and viral and sort of bad, bad pathogens that sit on your brushes and then potentially go B2B and, and target maybe makeup retailers and all the testers that you wanted to try, but don't, you know, never thought you could, maybe there's an opportunity there and, and, and giving the consumers some feedback in terms of uh, bacterial or, you know, germ growth on uh, testers and even on their makeup brushes. So doing a little bit more tech research and just kind of bringing forth a better product in the, in the following iteration. Where my mind goes is you have a successful product and it's, and you're getting some great sales. Do you see yourself adding to it by having sort of like a line of brushes or, you know, like a really cool makeup kit that fits your machine in the corner and has room for everything else? Has that kind of been going down your, through your thoughts? Well, it's always, yeah, I feel like when you, when you're, you know, an entrepreneur, I think those ideas just naturally become, you know, you know, little, little whispers in your ear. And you're like, wait a second, I have to focus. Got to focus. <laughs> shiny objects, shiny objects. <laughs> yeah, always, always the shiny objects. 
I, I think that we might actually just explore more potentially a different market. Like our customer also is barbers and making sure that maybe even single use blades could actually be reused and sort of increasing our sustainability and, and making sure that we are on a safe and healthy path to the beauty industry. Well, thank you very much. Is there anything that, that we didn't cover that you'd like to share? Maybe a, a tip or a trick or a, a piece of advice to a young entrepreneur who's looking at building a product instead of a, a software application or whatever? My biggest piece of advice is get into the Catalyzer program. <laughs> There's some serious powerhouses of coaches and advisors and people that you will feel incredibly supported and uh, your your dream, your actual dream will become a reality. I think that's one of the biggest things I would definitely say Platform Calgary is amazing. Everybody I've basically interacted with has been incredible and just so helpful. There's a big startup community and, and especially in the tech industry here in Calgary, we're really, I'm really happy to be here. I think my biggest tip and advice is ask, always ask, you know, what the worst thing you're going to hear is no, and that's okay. Just keep on asking. There's more people to ask, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Someone's going to help you out. Right on. Love it. Okay. So thank you so much, Rana. I, I really appreciate you being on the show. And it was so cool to meet you down at Platform and just like, hey, we should have you on the show. It was just like a kind of a spur of the moment thing. And here we are, like literally not even a week later, but it was really cool having you. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, it was great that David just kind of connected us. That was awesome. See, that's what I mean. Platform, you just got to go. <laughs> yeah, just just hang out there. That's Absolutely. where everything happens. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate this. You're so welcome. And listeners, we'll see you next week for another episode of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. If you need software developers or you need software developed, New Idea Machine can make your ideas real. Visit newideamachine.com to learn more. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>